Welcome to this new Triple V podcast episode, covering the most recent town hall. All right. Christian, are you there? Yes, sir. Okay, fantastic. So, uh, I don't know if I had my mic on mute when, while I was talking. <laughs> so, I have closed general chat. And um, the reason for that is that I want all the engagement, which we had the last time in our own server, to be on Twitter. And the main reason for that is that Twitter pretty much is the business card for VVV. All the activity and engagement in Discord is fine, and it's a big plus. But it's a platform where only very few people can actually see what's going on. And not everyone in the crypto space wants to do a deep dive into Discord to see whether or not the project has high engagement, has uh, professional conversations, and so on. So for that reason, whenever we have those Twitter Spaces events, I probably will keep closing general chat just for the sake of having the conversation around what we talk about in the comment section where it belongs and where it's relevant and where other people can also see it. Because the engagement which we have in VVV is way above the average. I think we have like 10 times more what the average normally is um, for the audience size, size which we have and for the amount of followers. So having that visible is going to make it exponentially more easy for us to close new AMAs and to close new investment opportunities and overall just to make better partnerships and connections and do them more easily because the value and the activity which we have is much more obvious. If a project looks dead on Twitter, then you assume right away that the entire thing is probably dead as well and you don't even do the deep dive into Discord. But if the engagement on Twitter is very high, then you can also directly assume that it's probably also going well in Discord. And then you either might do your due diligence and then you will see that it's the exact same thing on Discord. Or you might just take what you see and make your decisions based on that. So what we will do today is we will start with a few questions for the audience. And the right answers to those questions on the, the single best answer to that question is going to receive the shark whitelist role for phase three. Then we will go into another interview session with Christian. And afterwards, I'm going to share the raffle sign up link for Peak. And one thing as well, and my sincerest apologies, the Snickerdoodle raffle will commence with some delay. So we will probably arrange that um, during next week. The, the raffle system for what we plan has become a very big discussion within the team because we really, really want to make sure that we find the right solution for the community and that every single metric which we set up today is future-proof and that we do not have to change and deviate from what we set up today. So the entire thing has ended up being 100 times more complex. I think I even said it last week already, but you know we have worked our way through it and there's, there's so many different aspects which you have to keep in mind. And then we also have to um, 
balance it with our marketing strategy and overall strategy for the phase three, which made us very thoughtful about the way in which we approached it. So now I think we came up with the perfect solution. It's going to be very, very attractive for the community. And it's also going to work as a marketing tool for VVV as a whole, which I think is going to be very useful for us to keep closing those top tier AMAs, but also become someone in the space which has a bigger following and has more impact on the social social channels. And knowing from the interactions which I had with other projects and especially with those who have a high interest in KOLs, meaning key opinion leaders slash influencers, once you have a certain following on Twitter, closing deals becomes so much easier. And it might not be closing the deal per se, but at least opening up a conversation about a deal. Right now we have very little followers and you know that's fine because we focused solely on quality and on having the right audience. But going forward, we're going to need some leverage in terms of the numbers. And for that, we have come up with a couple of strategies and all of these are strategies which are going to be extremely healthy for the ecosystem and for prestige in in the in this space. And I think you guys are going to greatly enjoy what we have planned and what we are going to roll out over the course of the next couple of weeks. And also um, what I what I teased today in our VC sessions channel, a couple of the announcements which I have lined up for October. A couple of them um, around the blockchain fund. There's a, a lot of great things coming, a lot of things which so far I have never seen in the space happening. So you can rest assured that what we currently work on in silence actually has a lot of substance behind it. And it's things which have never been done before and which are impossible for anyone else to copy because the team which we have is very unique and the approach we have is incredibly unique and the way in which we execute is super, super hard and it requires a lot of professionalism and a lot of experience to do it in the right way. And also it requires the team to be incorruptible and to always, always, always have the right intentions and to always have the community's best interests in mind. And you will see all of that to play out you know, around the next couple of weeks. We're going to announce probably the next few deals. And then you will see that followed up by the announcements around the phase three and the blockchain fund announcement. But let's jump into the in today's session. We're going to um, build on some of the topics which you have spoken about last week. And it's also going to potentially trigger some people because I know it was one of the topics in the academy which had very mixed responses and mixed emotions. So I, I'm going. I'm very curious to see how the comments in the in the in our Twitter event are going to pan out for this one. So. I don't know how to give a proper intro, so I'm probably just going to dive into it and ask the question and then deal with the feedback afterwards. So whenever you guys go to movies and you watch Spider-Man, for example, or some of the other movies out there, I don't watch a lot of, of movies, but I know there's a, there's a certain trend 
in superhero movies right now where the hero who saves the world and also gets the girl is a certain awkward nerd type beta persona which for some reason still ends up winning in life so to speak so my question to you would be do you see the trend as well do you see that a certain character in movies saves the world and gets the girl and do you see a discrepancy between what is depicted in those movies and what's actually happening in real life i.e meaning is it true that the introvert insecure man gets the girl or has success with women in general and has success in business or overall has a very successful life. And then the next question would be, if that's the case, um, let's wait, let's wait for the comments. Let's wait if, um, if that's something the community sees as well, maybe I'm entirely wrong. Um, but please feel free to drop your comments. Do you see a certain trend in movie characters to play out where they depict a certain persona to then become successful and to also have success with women. And I'm just going to wait a few seconds for everyone to type their responses out. And there's an actual point which I want to make. So um, please feel free to share your thoughts. You can also call me out if you think I'm wrong. I'm very open to hear feedback. Okay, I have to work with the strange um, comment section from Twitter. But okay, let me read some of the comments. XX says, people hope they can stay beta and still win. That's why they want to see that. Yes, and Marcel says, yes, it's made so all viewers feel comfortable and relatable. Never happens in real life. Pure beta appeasement. It is condition... So Martha says, it is condition of 90%. It is made for general public. It's just giving, Basin says, it's just giving the hopeless hope. Ice Frost is saying, yes, I see the trend, especially the new Spider-Man movies. In the real world, people with such traits tend to not have a successful life and end up working for corporations. And Christian says, I think this is especially obvious when you look at 10 to 20 years ago, the heroes were Conan, Rambo, Superman. Brian says, Alpha's confidential people get the girl and win in business. Crypto King says, yes, all the film companies and their sponsors want us all to be snowflakes. Okay, let me update the page once more. There's a lot more comments. Sky says, yes, guess they want to show anyone can be a superhero. And yes, by its billionaire, please always answer on Twitter for the Twitter Spaces events. Trendful, so Degenerate Consultant says, Trendful sure is there, but not new. Usual escapism theme. Majority of viewers want to then identify. Okay, let me read through that. There's so many more, I probably can't read them all. So let, let me just skim through them and give one moment. 
Okay, so we have some opposing views. Neo Tokyo Hoddle says, I think it's pretty balanced. Some introverts and some alpha. So, you know, if we look from, if you look away from the action hero movies and look into sitcoms and TV series, I think one of the characters which have not existed in such a quantity were the nerd or geek type personas, which I think have have prevailed in the past couple of months and, and years. And that there's a there's a certain trend where the women in those sitcoms, for example, almost always seem to be the confident ones and the males very often seem to be the insecure ones and the, the idiots or the nerds, so to speak. Okay, let me read a couple of more comments just to get a, a good understanding of what the audience thinks. So Versatile says, not true, the insecure introvert person does not always win and get the girl in real life. I see the trend, though, in most superhero movies. Not all, but a lot. I am exposed says, in superhero movies, not only do the characters gain artificial powers, they also gain a very real sense of self-esteem and confidence in their ability. This mind over matter attitude seems to work in more, almost every situation, superhero or not. Yeah, that, that's a good point. So, you know, despite of who you are, how you look like, or, you know, your, your physical composition. Having self-esteem always works, right? And, and it always can um, fulfill its purpose. The question is, is someone actually able in real life to make the transition as quickly? Even if someone in real life would get superpowers, their self-esteem would not just catch up with them. And this is something which I've outlined in the past town hall session, where if you get rich in crypto, for example, by sheer coincidence, that's not going to make you any better person than you are today. The money is not going to change who you are for the better. It's merely going to exaggerate all the traits which you already have, which also means if you are insecure and an introvert, it's just going to make those traits more pronounced and not just going to turn you into a um, extrovert with super high self-esteem. But Christian, if you wouldn't mind chiming in briefly to give your point of view, because you, meant, you, you made a comment as well. And, you know, we are a little bit older. We, we, we know some of the past movies, how the trend was previously. You know, if, even if you look at the James Bond movies, for example, uh, where's the trend currently going? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I, it's been actually relatively um, dramatic, and and especially now having, I have a daughter, um, two daughters, but also a son, and um, I, uh, both what you've pointed out, which is that uh, there really has been a shift away from the traditional, um, you know, sort of masculine uh, superhero someone who, you know, by strength of will or, you know, bodily strength or by, you know, uh, preparedness like, like Rambo through skills that are earned over time, um, you know, wins the day. Uh, and, and even, you know, in some of those cases, they were allowed to be underdogs, meaning against overwhelming odds, but they were still strong in and of themselves. 
I, I think one of the things that I've been talking about with, with peers, um, you know, for the last several years is this idea that heroes are now sort of born with their powers or they randomly get them. Um, they're definitely, even in the remakes of old movies, you see that they rewrite uh, a lot of the, the way that the person succeeds. So for instance, if you look at um, Disney's Mulan, the the old version which is you know one would say a, a very good story of a female protagonist who has to struggle through and and build strength and and realize potential the remake is she just has these amazing internal powers you know captain uh marvel same way um uh, rebel one same way right these again there's a a diminishing of the male protagonist, a raising of the female protagonist, and then the female protagonist is given powers from the beginning that does not really um, show any sort of, you know, I had to build this up or I had to grow stronger. It, it, it's sort of handed to them. And that's that's true of Spider-Man too, right? He, um, it's, it's this nerd that's bitten <laughs> by a spider and he continues to be a nerd, but then he has superpowers. So, I totally agree. I, I think that they've really shifted it to this, um, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter whether you've worked or not. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're born with, with skill or not, it, something could happen in, in the blinking of an eye and it's going to suddenly turn you into a hero. And from my mind, it really diminishes what you would traditionally call the hero's journey, which is really struggle and what we've been talking about in the academy um, for a long time, which is this idea of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and having to fight through to really realize your potential and, and becoming more alpha and more assertive and and developing yourself. And, and I think it at first it seems like just, you know, happy talk and it's like, okay, well, I can just watch the movie and it shows that everybody has a chance, but I, I really think it deeper than that. It, it changes the culture around what you expect and what you think uh, it's going to take to succeed in life. Yeah. I, I think it seems like they take away the struggle in many instances. You know, even if you, if you know the, the background of Spider-Man, for example, um, I think his, his grandmother gets killed, I think, right? in one of the early movies or in the comics. Yeah. And that's where he eventually draws his strength from. And then uh, the, the other example, which was mentioned in the comments is Batman, where his parents um, get shot in an alleyway and he is left as a kid with no parents. And that's where he draws his strength fr from. And now what you said is that now all of the, the existing heroes or the new heroes or you know the ones which have been rewritten, they just exist with the with the power already within them without any form of a struggle. And I think that sets the wrong precedence where people now believe, okay, you either have it or not, and you cannot achieve something better by going through struggle. And I think the entire concept is designed to a degree to, and this has been outlined in, in the comments as well, to make people feel comfortable 
but also to keep them from longing for more. It's like you either have it or you don't. And if you don't have it, then don't even consider struggling or fighting for more. And the we will have to go through the comments uh, and, and Helena will have to check the timestamps because the, the, the correct answer was uh, posted way before uh, I thought and you guys have made the point already very clear. So there's no, no point in us elaborating any, any longer on it. Um, but it's very refreshing that the community sees eye to eye uh, with us regarding this this theme. And the reason why, why, why I started off with this is because we had the topic of alpha males in our academy and the term alpha male i believe has triggered a couple of people simply because of the usage of the term and then you know many people have bad real life experiences with people they consider alphas like uh, bullies who maybe have um, bullied them in school or similar events or someone in the workplace who is a loud mouth and it's not very pleasant to work with but these are not the real alphas Alphas do not have any intention or they don't feel any pleasure from putting anyone else down. And that's tying into one of the next topics, uh, which again is, is a question for the community to get a better understanding of where we are currently at regarding the progress in the academy and overall sentiment of the community and you know, for us it's, as a team, it's very important to get a very good understanding of the worldview of the community to see in which areas we might have to, we might have uh, some educational work to do and in which areas we already have sufficient awareness of the community in general. And my question for you guys would be very general. What's the consensus of society around going from rags to riches? Does, it, does society think or do average people think that rich people are most likely self-made or do you think that most people think that they are already born rich and that the rich only get richer and there's no real way to actually break through from poverty and become someone who is rich themselves? So what's the overall sentiment in the general population about rich people. Does society think that there's a there's, that there's a process in which you could get from poverty to riches? Or do most people believe that you are either born into a rich family or you're condemned to a life in poverty or in the middle class, for example? So Big Dog says, most people think the rich only get richer and there's no way to break out of poverty themselves. Okay, I'm going to have to struggle with the Twitter comments for a bit because they are not arranged in chronological order. So Marcel is saying, most think rich are born rich in my opinion could also imagine that the percentage of rich people by heritage is bigger than self-made. And, and that's actually touching on what I'm going to get into in a few seconds. Benny says, average people, generally speaking, believe the later. They believe riches are either inherited or made through luck, not hard, hard work or sacrifice. 
men on a wire says, born rich. People externalize their issues and assume they can't get there because they weren't lucky. If they saw people as self-made, they would acknowledge they aren't putting in enough effort to succeed. The average, and Andreas says, the average person thinks that rich people were just lucky. Near Tokyo Hoddle says, in Australia, inheriting real estate from parents who had houses in the major cities or near beaches is what makes people rich. So, and I'm going to ask you two questions and please do not look up the answer in Google. Please just post whatever you feel is the most accurate one. So how many millionaires do you think are self-made? Just give me a percentage of how many millionaires you think are self-made. And in the meantime, I'm going to read a few more opinions. BKZ says, it depends on where you are, what you are exposed to. I'm consistently come across success stories where those people started from nothing. Skoda says, today is the easiest it's ever been from being born into poverty to get rich. It's just mindset, getting out, getting out, if that, getting out of that victim mentality. So now we have a couple of percentages coming in. Draken says 80% of millionaires are self-made. Holt says 70% of millionaires are self-made. And let's see if we can get a few more replies. Because right now the, the consensus of how the population sees the rich versus poor is that all the money just circulates around the ones who inherit the money and within those rich families. But what is the actual reality? And now from the Tokyo Hotel, we get head of another comment with 55%. We have more comments, 85%, 65 65%, 65%, 75%, and 65%. So the correct answer is that 85% of all millionaires on the planet are self-made, which means not the rich get richer, but 85% of poor people actually end up being millionaires. So the, and it's not, you know, I would say the, the hard reality is that a lot of poor people actually make it, so to speak. But it, to me, it's not the hard reality. It's, it's actually a good sign, right? Because it means there's a lot of opportunity for normal people or for people born into poverty or the middle class to actually succeed in life and to get to a millionaire status. Now, the second question, and Marcel has touched on this, he said, talking about billions, it becomes less. So please give me an estimate of how many billionaires you think are self-made. And all of these questions lead to a very important point. And it's again going to tie back to the superhero not having any struggle in his life and just being born with it. People believing that you are either born rich or you're born poor and then there's nothing you can change uh, about that. And now let's see. The replies for the billionaires. <laughs> now it's going. Now the, the trend has reversed. Now everyone believes uh, 
<laughs> that almost everyone is self-made. So um, 90%, 95% is the first answer. Next one is 93. Next one is 50%. And from master, it's 5%. So we have a, a whole range here. And the correct answer is 75% or 70% of all billionaires are self-made, which means the majority of millionaires are self-made and the majority of billionaires are also self-made. And it's an overwhelming majority. Only 30 to 25% are born into riches. So almost all the millionaires out there are self-made and the vast majority of billionaires are self-made as well. So why does not everyone talk about that you can actually make it? Why is the sentiment in society that you should be happy with where you are and there's not that much which you can change about uh, your current situation and overall the motivation of getting out of the status quo is rather low. And my next question would be, first of all, does everyone know what crab mentality means? Has anyone heard of the psychological term crab mentality? Okay, the first reply is no. So the crab mentality, and I, I briefly touched on this in the previous tunnel as well, the crab mentality comes from the example of having a bucket full of crabs where if, so all of those crabs are at the bottom of the bucket, right? And then one of the crabs tries to get to the edge of the bucket and to climb out of the bucket. As soon as the crab seems to have a hold at the edge and pulls its way up there and is on the verge of getting out of the bucket, the other crabs are going to climb up as well and they're going to hold on to the crab and they're going to pull it down right back into the bottom of the bucket. And that means if you, if you ever watched uh, uh, an actual bucket of crabs, they, you know, they just sit there and not one of the, the crabs is going to escape because as soon as one makes it to the top, the others are going to pull it down again. And that's one of the unfortunate trends in society where, first of all, people do not believe that you can actually make it. And then if they see someone who might make it, they try to pull them down again and to disincentivize them from actually making it and potentially even fueling their failure. And all of this goes back to them watching movies where the belief system is enforced that you're either born with it or you're not born with it. And there's no hardship through which you might be able to go through to actually become a better person and to become someone who succeeds in life. Then again, um, the belief system that you either have money or you don't have money, there's very little awareness that the majority of millionaires and billionaires are actually self-made. And then you also have the crab mentality where if they see someone proving them wrong, they put everything in motion to make them feel lesser, to demotivate them and to try to torpedo whatever they are building. So the reality is that it's very easy 
statistically, you know, just statistically speaking, it's easy to actually make it because it's very obviously possible. Of course, it's only possible for uh, a few dedicated individuals and, uh, you know, a few, very few, uh, very little percentage of the population, but it's possible and the odds are actually in favor of you because if you look at the self-made people, there's actually the majority of them who made it through their own efforts. But now you have to work against society. You have to work against the belief system that's implemented by society. And unfortunately enough, you will also have to work against the people closest to you because those people are going to have the crap mentality. And when they see you succeeding, they will come up with comments like, hey, you have changed. Why are you not satisfied with what you have? Why do you always need to have more? Why is it never enough? And all of those comments, which are, which you will probably experience once you start to get ahead in life. And I just want to underline once more that, I, that I've been in the exact same position as most of our listeners. I started from nothing. I was born into an average family and I was taught that there's no way out. My family was a very strong, uh, were very strong believers that there's no way to ever become rich, that everyone who is rich was just born into a rich family or was lucky and that all you could ever wish for is have a safe job and stable income and be happy with whatever you end up having. And never ask for more, never strive for more, or never intend to make more of yourself. And all of this is something which we actively fight against in the VVV Academy. We expose you to the material which makes it blatantly obvious that there's an infinite amount of ways to become successful but there's also a few selected traits that all of those successful people have in common. And if you can work on your persona and your character and your routine and your habits, then you're slowly going to adapt all those single traits which made those people successful. And if you have those traits, it's almost impossible to not become successful as well. And that's the most important lesson of the academy where as long as you stay on track and as long as you keep adapting those vital traits, you will inevitably be better off than you are today. And I believe this is one of the most important things you could become aware of because it frees you from the expectations society has put on you and from the expectations you might have put on yourself to limit you and to limit the potential that you have. And the, the very last point I want to make, and then we're going to jump into the interview session of Christian, is another question for the audience. Oh, and <clears throat> before that, I want to address one of the, the, the comments here. So Benny mentioned, is mentioning that the crab mentality is also referred to as the tall poppy syndrome, which is very prevalent in Australia. And um, 
I believe the the tall poppy syndrome um, comes from the same mentality of if you cannot have the the if you cannot have the biggest building in town. Uh, excuse me. Let me let me start the sentence correctly. In order to have the biggest building in town, you have to tear down all the other buildings. I think it's based on that based around that sentiment, which is pretty much the same thing as the grab mentality. But it shows that people have a very envious mindset, and that the that the sentiment towards highly motivated people is rather toxic and um, that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of things which are going to hold you back even on a subconscious level where you will not feel comfortable even talking about your goals because you will see that people already start looking weirdly at you because you have bigger goals or you have you know goals which they cannot relate to and that again goes into the next question which I have for the for the audience who of you learned in school to write down their goals for life? Is this something which has ever come up in your school or in your educational journey where someone asked you to write down your goals for life or someone told you that this is an important exercise to have? Just bear with me. I have to work with the <laughs> Twitter interface here. So reply by Brian is not in any of my educational classes. Degenerate consultant says, no, nah, German school system does not do that. I started myself at 16 to do that. Benny says, I was never given that exercise at school, which is pretty sad considering how powerful it is. BK said, says, schools are designed to produce good workers, not entrepreneurs. Mike says, the only question they ask is, what job do you want to do when you grow up? Ben on a wire says, yeah, a lot of times I've had to write down goals. It's essential for planning how to achieve them. Nepkaya says, self-authoring. My typing sucks. Okay. So there seems to be already awareness by the audience that it's not something which you ever asked to do in school, but there's a certain degree of importance to actually doing that exercise. And we're quickly going to jump into a study to, to make an example um, out of the question. So um, in 1979, there was a Harvard study which was based around um, the participants and uh, these were students, the students answering the question, have you set clear written goals for the future and made plans to accomplish them? And 3% of the class had written down goals and plans. 13% had unwritten goals. 84% had no goals at all. And now 10 years later, they followed up with all those students and they found out that, okay, let me just um, read it in a different order than how it's set up here. 
the 13% which had unwritten goals, they, they didn't write those goals down, but at least they had some goals. The 13% who had some goals but didn't write them down earned twice as much as the 84% who had no goals at all. And the surprising thing was that the 3% who had goals but also wrote them down, they earned 10 times more than the people who had goals and didn't write them down. So this leads to two to, to, um, things you have to be aware of. First of all, you have to have goals because if you don't, do not know where you want to go, then you're going to end up nowhere. And the second lesson from this is that you have to write your goals down. It's okay to have them, but, but if you actually want to outperform everyone else, you have to write your goals down. And it also shows, and this was done in Harvard, so obviously the, 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 the audience was already very selected, but only, even in that class, only 3% of all the students even wrote down their goals. And I can only tell you from my personal experience that it's so insanely important to write down your goals. You would not believe how powerful it is to frequently repeat that exercise and to frequently write down what you want to achieve and especially revisit, revisiting old goals, which you have written down in, in your notepads. And you will then after one or two years, you will you know, go back and check some of your old goals and you will, re will realize that you have actually achieved a majority of the things you have written down. And it also become, it almost becomes like a, you know, a superpower where all of a sudden, all the things you write down, all of those eventually turn into reality. And it's going to lead to positive reinforcement. And it's also going to make you much more confident in actually achieving things which you set out to do. And there's a couple of different studies around the topic. There, there's some myths around the Harvard study, whether or not it actually existed. But the, the study has been repeated uh, in a variety of different contexts. And the results have always been the same. It's always the, the people who wrote down the goals who achieved the most. And there was even one study where people did not just write down the goals, but they also shared their goals with their friends. And then they also had another group who also shared the goals with their friends, but they also sent their friends frequent updates on their progress. And not surprising, the group who shared the goals with their friends and also updated them frequently, those achieved the most in the least amount of time. So the, you know, the main reason why no one is writing down their goals is first of all, they don't have any. No one has ever incentivized you to actually want something out of life beyond what's taught to you and you know, what's taught in school. And then the next thing is the, the second you know, it's also, it's also something scary. It's a, it's a scary exercise because the second you write something down on a piece of paper, now you're accountable if you fail, if you do not achieve that goal. And this means the more you write down and the more uh, bodacious goal you set out, the, the more bodacious goals you set out for yourself, the higher the risk of you potentially disappointing yourself. And it becomes even worse if you follow the, the second study where they shared those goals with their friends because, because now you didn't just write it down, 
you also told someone else who now knows what your goals are and them knowing is going to hold you accountable. But that accountability is also going to make it much, much more likely that you actually pull through and you actually achieve those goals. So what I would encourage everyone to do is to write down your goals, to post them in our academy and to tell everyone what you want to do and to frequently update everyone in the academy chat on how your progress is going and to go through that exercise and to go through it frequently and to really make the most of you knowing that others know what you set out for yourself to do and knowing that others may follow up with you and ask you, hey, how's it, go how's it going? Have you achieved X yet? Or are you making progress towards X? And you can also see a lot of those, uh, you know, a lot of that same mentality we have used for BVV. We, we launched the brand very spontaneously and then we told you every single thing which you want to achieve and then we have gone out of our way to keep delivering it. And now I believe we have delivered as a, you know, a sufficient amount of milestones already where you know if we tell you we're going to do X in three months, then in three months we're going to deliver X. And this is something which is going to very positively impact your own integrity. And it's going to be one of, one of the easiest things which you can act on, which immediately is going to have a positive impact on your life. And, you know, there's always skeptics. There's always, especially within society, people are always skeptical. And, you know, the, the main comment is, hey, I don't know, it cannot be as easy as writing down your goals then the question you have to ask yourself, but what, is, what if it is? What if all it takes is writing things down and then magically they're going to turn into reality? What do you have to lose? Why not just go ahead and write it down? Worst case, you lost five minutes of your time. Best case, now all of a sudden you're become, going to become more successful. So I, I highly encourage everyone after the uh, Twitter Spaces event, to take five or 10 minutes, write down goals which you have for yourself in life, post them in the Academy chat and to frequently drop by the Academy chat and to talk about it, to talk about your progress and to really make it an exercise which to repeat um, weekly, monthly in whichever sequence you want. Even if you only do it once a year, at least you do it. And it already means that you're in the top 3% of people, which eventually turn out to be the ones who are actually the most successful in life. And with that in closing, um, we're going to go back and check out the comments, which ones have dropped the correct answers first. And then we're going to give out some of the shark whitelist spots. And um, now I would say we transition towards the interview session with Christian. Awesome. Um, do you have a particular time that you'd like me to cut off the questions? Um, let's see. Uh, we're going to base it off the attendance. Okay. So um, one of the things that I really wanted to pick up on, and I know we've already done uh, a good amount of talking about this, uh, but I skipped during
during the first session because we were talking about other uh, other traits. But one of the books that you really recommended to everybody was uh, this book by uh, Cardone about 10x goals. Um, and I think you already talked a little bit about this, but um, you mentioned a lot of times in responding to various students replies that it made a huge impact in your own thinking. Can you describe what reading 10X by Cardone really changed in, in you or, or made you realize, is it what we were just talking about? Were there some other pearls in there that, that really made you go, this is why I need to not just set goals, but set, you know, earth, the uh, world changing goals. So first of all, just technically speaking, I highly encourage everyone to stop reading and to start listening to audiobooks because it's going to make your life a hundred times more efficient. If you listen to an audiobook versus reading, you can listen to the audiobook while you're while you're in the car uh, commuting, while you're doing your cardio in the gym, and it's going to make it much more efficient uh, in terms of your time management. If you, if you have to read a book, then you have to actively sit down and cannot do anything else. And, you know, I, for example, I don't have time to read anymore because I, I'm so busy, but I always find time to listen to audio books and to listen to, um, you know, YouTube videos or whatever I, I, I want to explore at the moment. So I highly, highly encourage to go away from, reading things and start listening to things just because it's more efficient. And um, regarding the, the book itself and its contents, it's, it's very interesting because today we had a, a, you know, a discussion about owning real estate. And I said that a house is not an asset, it's a liability especially if you live in your house and if it's not generating any uh, sort of a cash flow for you. When I read the book, my expectations of life or my expectations of life for myself was merely to have a house, to have a car, and that's all I would have expected for myself. Or, you know, it, it was... I had much, much higher goals when I was younger, but, you know, I, I was uh, still in university and I, I felt like I was running out of time because I wasn't really getting anywhere. And I thought, okay, if, I, if I'm running out of time and if I'm not really making any progress in my life, then the only logical thing to do is to reduce my goals and to reduce my, uh, to lower my expectations of life. And when I read the book, and I still remember the exact same moment when the book came to the point where it said to you that you are not allowed to lower your goals. And then, you know, along with that goes a description on why you shouldn't do it and why you should set higher goals and why you should expect more of life. And that really had an incredible impact on me. And it truly was the thing which put everything in motion where I immediately thought, okay, the way it has been going for me in the past few months and years was the exact opposite, 
the exact opposite direction in which it should be going. And um, yeah, I mean, that, there's a lot more, there, there are a lot more golden nuggets in the book, but for me that, that single realization was truly life-changing and, you know, yeah, it's, it's not something which you can find in, in many other books. And it, it, I, I've been in the, and I hate the, the actual terminology, but I've been in the um, self-development space for quite some time before I came across the 10X rule. And a lot of the things, you know, a lot of the teachings by other gurus are designed to make you comfortable without actually taking action and without doing something. So you're just going to keep reading or you're just going to consume certain materials and, you know, it's just going to be a mental exercise, but it's not going to lead to any tangible results. And I think the 10X rule was, was the very first thing which I read, which immediately showed me that I have to take action, that I have to change things. And shortly after I started my freelancing career, uh, one year later, I started my first business. And I mean, coincidentally enough, it actually 10X my life. Yeah, that's so fascinating. I, while you were um, talking about that, I, I had a realization um, from what you were saying, because when growing up, we were always taught that the American dream, you know, in the U.S. was the exact same thing, right? It was owning a car, owning a house, having a little family in a little neighborhood. And that's like, that's where you're supposed to, that's, that's not just a goal, that's a dream, right? So you're not taught to reach the fullest potential you're taught to, uh, to reach that certain level, because that's, and, and that's just fascinating to me because that's what benefits society, not necessarily you as a person. I, I think, um, that leads well into one of the questions that I had based on, uh, 10X, because you shared, uh, really at the beginning of VVV a little bit about what your dream is, what your goals are, for VVV. Do you mind sharing a little bit more about what you want from VVV, what, what you want for yourself? Um, you know, obviously, like you said, you do this both for the benefit of others, but, you know, also to build a successful full business and to succeed yourself. And then also what you want for the students of the academy? Um, what What would be like the biggest realization of this means that we made it? So this is going to be a long answer, and you're going to have to repeat the the question once more. Um, sure. But but let me start. Let me start off with um, something that relates to the discussion we had today in uh, in general chat, and which the uh, you know the community reacted very positively um, towards that discussion. And um, you know even even if um, if we disagree uh, amongst each other on certain topics, I think it's in extremely important to have those hard discussions, because even if we still end up disagreeing at the end, at least we had that conversation. It has opened up the minds of the two people discussing some, some, something and of the people reading the discussion afterwards. And um, someone made the comment that we maybe should release like the weekly best discussions within VVV. 
And um, again, I have to compliment the community because the conversations which we have in our different channels are super, super high quality. The, the discussion which we have had in general chat was very insightful. And then at the same time, we had people discussing different books about habits in our dolphin chat and all that while in other servers, all you see is like GIFs and memes and, you know, meaningless stuff. And, um, you know, all of those little pieces, they, they all go together. And I asked this, the same question today during the discussion, uh, which coincidentally was around owning houses and the American dream, so to speak. Why do you think the government and society wants you to own a house? Why is it so easy to finance a house, to get a loan as, uh, you know, as someone who makes maybe 40K per year, to get a loan for a three, four, 500K house and to pay that loan off over 20, 30, 40 years? Do you really think it's that easy because the bank wants you to be happy, because the government wants you to be happy? Or because it's such an incredibly positive thing for your life that they just have to make it so readily accessible to you because it's such a great thing. You know, why do we have uh, McDonald's at every corner? Why is fast food so cheap and so readily accessible? Is it that easy to get it because it's so incredibly good for you? Why do you think that with a house which is propagated everywhere and is made so easily accessible, why do you think that must be something that's so incredibly good that I have to take the opportunity and I have, have to get that piece of bricks and have to call it my home and settle, you know, the... Again, all of those little, I'm, I'm just going to make a couple of statements and then hopefully I can uh, circle back again and, and, you know, make the entire argument whole. But the reason why I started VVB is because I saw an opportunity in the blockchain itself. And what is the, what actually is the blockchain? It's a set, it's a way of decentralization. It's a way of trustlessness, which means you can get rid of a third party, which before that you need to have that third party for the sake of doing business safely. And that third party could be a notary, that third party could be a bank. All of those things become obsolete through the blockchain because now you can do business with someone at the other side of the world. And, um, you know, if you set up a smart contract, you can do business without even having to trust that party because you can just rely on whatever the smart contract is designed to do. Um, one example, which I can give you is that during the peak of the bull run, I upgraded one of my NFTs, I, I bought a higher rarity NFT for a very popular collection. And I traded that NFT with someone I didn't know. And at the time that NFT was worth, 
probably 150k and i traded that nft plus 50k eth on top of it so around 200k total and i traded that with someone who i didn't know who i didn't trust but i traded it in a way which made it impossible for the person to scam me and i don't remember the name of the platform but it's a pretty much a smart contract where you select what you get from that person out of, out of his own wallet and that person selects what he's supposed to get out of your wallet and then you both send the contents to that smart contract then the smart contract checks if it actually received what you guys you know agreed on and then it sends the other party what they were supposed to get and this way i made a trade with someone somewhere else on the planet who was not dogs to i didn't know who i didn't trust and it was a entirely riskless transaction something which was impossible before the blockchain even existed and one of the things you will encounter once you start to make real money is that the more money you make the more the more issues you're going to have with banks because the more money you make then you know that also means you're moving more money and especially if you want to be independent or if you want to diversify risk you do not just want to have your money into in one bank and ideally now you also want to have money in crypto you want to have you want to make deposits into centralized exchanges you want to make withdrawals from exchanges to your bank accounts and you will quickly see that the banks are very easy to charge you they will ask for a plethora of documentation to justify why you're getting the money where you're getting it from and you will have to explain a lot as soon as you move more than 10 20k in one transaction and especially if you move money into um, a different country it becomes even more complex they're going to ask you questions they're even going to freeze your funds until you have proven that everything was uh, legal and that it's not money laundering and you're going to run into a plethora of issues which are just uh, very painful to deal with and make you realize that you do not own your money even if it's in your bank account it's not your money it's still the bank who controls the money it's very similar to a centralized exchange where they still have your keys or your you know seed phrase you do not control your money and the blockchain for the first time in history is a way where you can where you can actually earn money or the equivalent of money and no one else can take it away from you no matter what they do it's impossible for them to take it away from you so now all of a sudden you have true sovereignty over your own money and i can send money from here to a different country i can send an infinite amount of money and no one asks no one freezes the funds no one can do anything to hold up the transaction it's complete freedom which up until now was unheard of you always had to rely on a bank you always had to rely on them not freezing the funds and then if they did you have to provide them with paperwork and you never really were in a position where you had true freedom because you always had dependence 
on third parties. And um, that sense of freedom combined with the with the brainwash which I got in school and in university that really has motivated me to tackle well to tackle the educational system and also the monetary system and you know not in a way where you know I'm the the white knight and I'm going to take on the banks or whatever that that's not my intention and that's not something which I have any you know true influence over any intention in doing um it's more about making other people aware of the inherent risks of dependency on third parties and also helping others to break their minds free from the chains which society, friends, family, and the education system puts on you and hold us back and make us unhappy, make us unfulfilled, and lead to life full of regret. And please repeat the second part of the question, Chris. Yeah. So um, what are your dreams for yourself, for VVV, and for the students of the academy? What uh, do you want each aspect of that to reach? So, you know, there's different time horizons for everything that's being built and for everything that has been put into motion. And, um, you know, someone mentioned today in the in general chat that he wishes that there would be a sovereign state which is independent from other countries and which can set up in a way which is truly beneficial to the population of that certain state or country and that it's something that's set up differently than all the other countries out there. And in the mid to long term, I intend for VVV to become more or less such a, well, you know, a form of society on the blockchain where we do lift each other up and where we allow other people to educate them at their own pace and in balance with whatever life they currently live and have or have to live, and then empower them to evolve as a man or woman into a, into a better and more capable person, and simultaneously allow them to break financially free from whatever they are currently obligated to do or trapped in or um, chained to. And both of this has to go together because if you just get the money, you know, I gave you an example last week. If you just get the money, you're also going to lose it uh, just as easily. It's just giving you the money is not going to lead to the solution. And, you know, the, say, the famous saying, you have to teach someone how to fish, right? You, you, there's no use to just giving someone the fish. It's, you have to show them how to actually do it. And the same for money. In order for you to actually be rich and stay rich, 
someone has to tell you or someone has to show you how to actually handle money, how to be a person that's supposed to be rich. Because if you're not supposed to be rich, then you're not going to be rich for a long time. And since the educational system and society does not prepare you to be any more than a slave and a nine-to-five worker, you pretty much have to forget everything you learned up until now and you have to completely empty your cup and expose yourself to the right information, take the right actions, and then slowly but surely you're going to end up in a position where you, you know, just like the traits I outlined earlier, where if you adapt those traits, there's almost no way in which you cannot end up successful. And once you become that person and once you become the money, then everything else is just going to fall into place. And my vision for VVV is to have a community who is very aware of the circumstances and the different situations in the world uh, and in different countries and different states and has freedom of mind who are able to speak what they think or at least give them, give them a place where they can say what they think. They might not be able to do so in their socioeconomic environment because of you know certain obligations. You might not be ready yet to lose your job, so you cannot talk to your boss the way you would like to talk to him. Um, but give them a, a space where they can say what they want to say and to also hear the harsh truth if they say something which might hold them back. And this is also an important point which we had today in general chat, where if I if I criticize you or you know or if, if I say something to you which might be difficult to swallow. I always say this out of a place of love. I, I, you know, again, we do not make any money from fees. There's, there's like, there's no hidden agenda in VVV. Why should I even care? You know, that you get the the gist of a certain lesson. The only reason why I care is because I care for VVV. I care for the community. I care what we together make out of the brand, and we can only succeed if the basics are very well understood by every single person. And if we all work towards the same goal, and if you do not fall for the same, for the same trap of not saying the things which need to be said to not hurt someone's feelings, we have to get beyond that. And we have to be always chasing, chasing truth, no matter how harsh the reality might be, because it's the only way to go through the hero's journey, which you outlined uh, earlier, where you go through all that hardship, you go to all those truths, and you end up being the person who sees the world for what it is, and you see the risks, you see that getting that house, getting that loan, and committing to paying it off for the next 30 years might not be the best choice for your life. It might just trap you into your nine to five job for the next 30 years. It might immobilize you to ever leave the country when you might have to leave and there's some sort of um, uproar by the population when there's some policies being put into place that you cannot leave your house, that you have to 
compromise your bloodstream. If you own a house and if you have to pay off a loan, you're going to have a tough time just leaving and leaving everything behind. So, you know, if you have all your assets and all your liquidity on the blockchain, that's very different. You can just move freely around the world. No one can hold your, your, your assets uh, hosta uh, hostage. No one can freeze any of your funds and you can live a truly free life and you can choose yourself where you want to live wherever you deem it the safest for your family, where you deem it the safest for yourself, where you, you, know, you see potential for your future not being compromised by some government's interest which doesn't align with your personal interest. And it's, it's almost too complex to just explain in one, one single answer because there's so many different pieces to the puzzle. But, you know, essentially it all comes down to the freedom of mind and financial freedom, which have to go hand in hand because without the financial freedom, you cannot really say what you think. You always have to hold back and you will not, if you cannot say what you think, then eventually you end up not thinking the way in which you would normally freely think because if you cannot say it then why even think it and you're going to end up being highly compromised as an individual and you're going to always be inclined to want less or get less or take less risk and you know you will not end up making the most of your life and i think that's the you know the biggest regret i have is that I didn't want more earlier, that it took me so many years to break out of the the things which ha had been taught to me by school and by the education system, and that I lost so much time. And my my main driver is to succeed personally as fast as possible, but also to have something which is truly sustainable and which helps others to do it a lot quicker and to not just succeed in terms of their mindset, but also simultaneously succeed from a financial perspective. Yeah. And I think that's, what's so powerful um, for, uh, you know, speaking for myself, but I know others who've shared testimonials or spoken in the Academy about VVV as a, as a community is that so many other communities put the cart before the horse or, or even there is no horse because their goal is to only succeed for themselves. Um, so, you know, you talk about influencers, you talk about, uh, you know, other areas in the crypto space, you join a community and the community is really sort of this happy-go-lucky. We all keep each other happy. We all think positive thoughts, but there's no drive. There's, there's nothing pulling us forward. And I think it's a testament um, to your leadership, to the community that's been built that this really is a now a force for growing others um, into uh, a, a freer future, into a more prosperous future. And like you said, that it is not that it is not to make money. It is to have the mindset along with the money so that that wealth can continue and grow and benefit themselves and others. 
um, because the mindset is is the foundation. And I, and I think that's what makes BVV so powerful as a community um, because we expect that from, from one another and what makes the academy so powerful as, as, a, as a tool. It really um, is growing together towards success and holding each other accountable and developing, like you said, that mindset of if someone is challenging me then I should grow from that. I should benefit from that rather than a lot of communities you see where, you know, even the mods would say, oh, you're talking negative. I'm going to silence you. As long as it's constructive and as long as you have reasons for why someone's wrong, we all benefit from hearing different perspectives on how to become more successful. Um, one of the questions that came out of the Steve Ballmer homework uh, where we talked about the idea of alpha. Um, Steve Ballmer, the other questions had to do with energy and also hardcore attitude. And we got a lot of questions about uh, how to become more energetic or how to be more hardcore. And I know you talked about sort of fighting your own battle out of this mindset of um, you know, just accepting where you are and wanting more out of life. If there were just a few, uh, you know, pearls that you would give us about what helped you, you know, become more energetic or become more hardcore. I know, um, you know, from talking to you, one of those are things that sort of have naturally been part of your personality too, but are there, there are things that you could share with us that help us become more alpha or more energetic or hardcore if we find ourselves kind of stuck in a rut or, um, you know, just not measuring up to what we think we need to get that mindset of success. You know, I, I really like when those single pieces come together. <clears throat> the, the very first thing you have to be energized is to have goals. If you have no goals, then why would you be energized if there's nothing which you want to achieve? Then what would you even do with the energy? So very obviously, if you do not have goals, you're also going to have low energy because there's nothing which you would want to work towards to. So first of all, you have to write down your goals and you have to set goals, which you have to, you have to set different types of goals. You have to set milestones, which you can achieve today, next week, the week after, next month towards the end of the year, you have to have milestones, but you also have to have goals which are bigger than life. You have to set up goals which are impossible to achieve during your lifetime. You have to have a bigger than life vision. And you also have to be aware of the fact that there are leaders and there are followers. And there's nothing wrong with not being a natural born leader and not everyone can be a leader. So, you know, if you have a propensity to not want to lead, then at least still write something down where you can contribute towards a greater good and where you can play a specific role into pursuing something which aligns with your, you know, with your intentions or with what you want for humanity or, you know, whatever drives you on an emotional level as well. So. Not all of the goals should be based around, you know, monetary success. 
it should also have a, a certain success which is tying into emotional values and um, what was the other part of the question are there other practices that that we can do or steps we can take to become more alpha or more hardcore <sighs> So let, let me touch on the, the uh, energy topic before I, I, I answer that. In order for you to truly be energized, you also have to fix your health. And the way society is set up and the way the food industry is set up is, you know, there's always the... You know, I, I don't know if you've seen it or you know, if it's something that come, comes up in the news, but there's a lot of discussions around the food in the U.S. and the food being poisoned. And there's so many different things in processed food, which is like truly harmful if you digest it. And there's a lot of people with inflamed, uh, in, uh, with an inflamed gut. And there's a lot of people sick from the food that's getting consumed and so on. And there's a you know there's also a lot of um uh what's the right term you know there there's a lot of a lot of theories around the government or the states like putting things in the food to make you feel a certain way or you know to make you lazy or whatever and <clears throat> what I've realized by starting v v v and by observing other projects is that there are no conspiracy theories per se around those topics and around governments and uh, you know and uh, and um, uh, certain industries. All it really is is daily decision making, which is solely based on what's best for the company from a monetary perspective and not what's best for the people consuming the product. And the reason what, you know, what made me realize this is um, that every single day I have to make decisions for VVV, right? Every single day there's opportunities, <clears throat> there's distractions, and then there's also things which I get asked to do, uh, which other people propose to me, which I know would compromise VVV and which would compromise the community and which would be very harmful for everyone involved. And that made me realize that every other industry, every other business is based around the exact same thing. It's the same thing with my e-commerce agency, for example. I, I always operated with 100% integrity. I always no matter what, I always did the right thing for my clients. And no matter how tempting anything else could have been, I always did the right thing for my clients. And that also <clears throat> led me to even the clients which, which I let go, or even the clients with whom I had disagreements with, not a single person has anything bad to say about me because I always did the right thing. And <clears throat> it's if you adapt that same reality to other industries if i had a food company for example i know the decision making process those business owners have to make every single day and they every single day they have the decision between make i 
do I make the decision which leads to a happier consumer or do I make the decision which leads to me having more money in my bank account? And you will find very, very few who will compromise their financial success or financial returns for the sake of someone else feeling happier or getting a better product. And, you know, the exact same thing with the pharma industry, you know, there are no, in my opinion, there are no real, like, conspiracy theories or, you know, secret meetings to decide certain things. All of it is just continuous decision-making to decide what's best for the company and not to, you know, to do what's best for the consumer or, you know, whichever industry you are in for the customer. And, well, I actually forgot what we started with. Um, I know, the, you know, we, I, I think I started with the health and I ended up um, with this topic. The, you know, what I want to say is that in order for you to become energized, you have to fix your health as well. And you have to be aware that everything you consume every single day, there, there has been someone behind that product. And they had to make the decision about do we put the best stuff possible in there and compromise our profit margin or do we put whatever is legal in there to ma maximize our profit margin. And the, we will expand the academy soon with, with additional courses <clears throat> which go exactly in that topic where if you consume the wrong foods, it will almost be impossible for you to be energized and to be alpha and to be hardcore. Because in order for you to be any of those things, you need high energy and you cannot draw energy out of the wrong kind of fuel for your body. And you cannot be energized if you're sick. You cannot be energized if you're feeling sick. You cannot be energized if you're consume, consuming things which provide you with no energy. And it's super, super easy and basic to eat the right things. It's not difficult, but with all the options you're getting presented every single day, it's made complicated and without the right background and without actually doing a deep dive personally, you're going to have a very difficult time making the right decisions for yourself. And all of the other external factors are going to influence you to also make the wrong decision. Just with buying a house, or going for a nine to five job, or um, not writing down your goals, like all of the right things are never going to get exposed to you just by mere coincidence. And no one has the intentions to expose it to the right thing. So there's many different um, things which you need to optimize. First of all, you need to have goals, but then you also need to fix your health because your health is going to greatly impact how energized you can actually be and how, with how much intensity you can work and chase your goals. Yeah, I think this is something you got into uh, a lot last time, which is such a powerful message, which is that practice is mindset and mindset is practice, that they're connected. So if you're not acting in the way that get you towards your goals, then you obviously don't have the right mindset. And if you don't have the right mindset, then you're not going to act in the right way. And so we should always be constantly working on both our mindset 
and our our physical, mental, um, emotional, and, and other practices. Um, so, well, thank you very much. I um, I think we've come up on about thirty minutes. Um, do you want to pause there and and save the rest until the next time? I know you had some updates planned. Um, oh well, I didn't have any. Uh, um... Not updates per se, but we have to um, let's drop the uh, raffle sign up. Um, it, it's uh, something which I promised, and I, I don't want uh, people to uh, wait for it indefinitely. So, um, what I'm going to do is if you, well, where do I drop it so everyone can see it? So, if you go to yeah, let me think about it. How do I do it the best way? <laughs> so I'm just going to drop it in the comment section in on Twitter. So I'm going to drop the link for the peak raffle sign up. And that's the link for everyone who has missed out on the peak allocation. You can now click on that link. And if you haven't participated before in any of the peak allocation claims, you can now sign up for the raffle. And we're going to post updates next week for you um, to then um, participate in the actual raffle. So what it is today is just a sign up. And then all the people who sign up, they will get pinged next week with the further instructions on how to actually participate in the raffle. And we did the exact, exact same thing two weeks ago for Snickerdoodle. And everyone who signed up for that form is also going to get pinged in the allocations um, games channel sometime next week. The thing to keep in mind is that it's, it is for first come, first served. So we might have to cut some people from the list um, if it's too many people signed up. So. Um, it's better to be quick on this one. Especially because the peak allocation claim has been so oversubscribed. And you know, it was probably one of the one of the projects where it was not obvious that the community is so incredibly bullish and everyone wants a piece of the pie. And we ended up uh, asking for a much smaller allocation than what we should have asked for. Now the follow-up question would be, um, do you guys want to keep us going uh, with the conversation for maybe another 15 minutes or do you want to, uh, to call us a day and move on? And of course, Christian, um, you know, I don't know how much time you uh, plan for those AMAs. If you need to leave, just let me know. Oh no, I'm I'm fine. Um, I also uh, didn't know if y'all wanted to bring attention to all the AMAs that have been added to the oh yeah. schedule. It looked like we have a bunch of stuff coming. It looks really exciting. Yes, very good point. Thank you. So, um, as you guys have already seen, we have a very busy schedule for the next two weeks. Um, we have some of the top tier projects in the space. One of them is the NFTFI team which is going to join us again for a second AMA. Um, and just as I said in the um, announcement today in the VC channel, 
is that I cannot make any specific promises for those projects which have arranged AMAs with, but all of them are either directly or indirectly leading to us closing better and better deals for VVV, which means either one of those projects is going to find the AMA exciting and they see the value of the community and they might propose um, that we could invest in them. And then, of course, we, we still have to go through the due diligence process together with the community and decide whether or not we want to do that. Um, but it's either going to be opening up an opportunity right away with that specific project or it's going to add to our business card on Twitter and we're going to have more and more events with prestigious projects on our Twitter, which is then going to make it easier to get even better guests and even more popular projects on our Twitter Spaces events, which is then again opening up more opportunities for us and is going to make us more well-known within the space and is going to help us attract um, more eyes on VVV, which eventually is going to help us grow the brand, increase the value of the NFTs you hold, and it's overall going to have a tremendously positive impact on everything which you do. Okay. So the sentiment is that we probably want, uh, should stop, Christian. Um, okay. So let me just double check because I, for whatever reason, it's difficult to see all the comments for for the event so let me just double check um i might also still give a, a few updates maybe um if people are curious what are you doing at the moment on the background let me just scroll down and see um well that's not so much which i can update at the moment all i can say um is that we have we have planned two exciting events for the community, um, which I cannot specify in detail at the moment. We also have two deals, which we are currently very actively working on, which we hopefully can uh, talk about soon and make public and um, start making um start getting the community involved in it's two super, super hot deals, um, which I, which I'm incredibly excited about, which I've worked on for many, many weeks. And, um, yeah, I cannot say I, most of the things which I would like to talk about, I, I can't really talk about. So just know that we do work on a plethora of different, different things behind the scenes. The team has been incredibly, incredibly busy. Everyone has, worked in the same direction. We are currently finalizing our light paper. It's um, already, thanks to Andrea, looking incredibly, incredibly polished. And thanks to Chen, the content is now also getting um, up to par with um, the standards which we have. And that's probably going to get released, yeah, probably next week, which is then also when our strategic partner, um, Dark Knight himself, is going to start with the collaborations with other communities and where you will see more members joining our server 
and VV getting more exposure and us really starting to roll out the marketing big time to make the phase three in the success. And you will also see that we probably push the mint date for phase three towards mid of October, just for us to have sufficient time to make the right decisions and to prepare all the things through which we have now worked through. And again, <clears throat> this is something which which not just was important to me personally, but you can also see the drive from the team that they really want to ensure that everything is 100% positive because on many of the, on many on the details, <clears throat> I eventually just got tired. You know, for example, the, the raffle system, I eventually just got tired talking about it and wanted to do it just, you know, whatever way I just want to get it over with. But then we have the, you know, the other team members who hold me accountable as well, where, you know, even if the topic is getting annoying and, the, you know, the, the math behind it is too complex for me to even, you know, bother with it, uh, to understand it. And, you know, it, it's, it's eating time away from some of the other topics, which I have to take care of. They also hold me accountable and they make sure that what we decide on is 100% the best and nothing which you have to change somewhere down the line. And, um, it has been painful, but I think today um, we came to the right conclusion. Uh, you know, a big thanks to Leon and to Dark Knight and to Jen and to Andrea. They, they all have contributed immensely. We also had Andrew who chimed in. And, um, yeah, you know, that you can either do it quickly or you can do it the right way. And we always, at, at, at every, you know, it, it's one of my takeaways from the, the first NFTFI AMA, for example, where Steven said it's the founder's maze, where if you make an investment, you pretty much bet on the founder to continuously take the right turns in the founder's maze. And I see myself in that, in, in that very same position many, many times. Uh, per week, sometimes even many times per day. Well, you know, there's so many wrong decisions which I can make, even on a subconscious level, like the raffle, which, you know, at some point was just annoying me and I, I deemed it not that, you know, I deemed the details not that important where I just wanted to get it over with. Um, but then I have the very strong, you know, thankfully, you know, very thankfully, the, the very strong opinions by my teammates which do not let me <laughs> make the wrong decisions. So, you know, that's super, super helpful because even if you are the, the person in charge, it's impossible for you to always make the right decisions all of the time. And that's when the team comes into play and where it's a blessing to be able to rely on very strong characters and personalities where they will not bend regardless of, um, you know, your opinion and, that, that pretty much is the, the, the core strength of VVV, that even if someone either consciously, consciously or subconsciously would make the wrong decision, they will hold each other and myself accountable. And we as a team will still make the right decision, no matter how costly it is, no matter how much time it takes, even if it's you know screwing with our schedule to a certain degree, it, we're still going to go for the way, which is the best for the community. 
So Christian said there's a, there's some people saying that we should keep going. Uh Jesus. Yeah, it's so difficult to 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 also decide on the length of those weekly meetings because I, I really like the long the long format. I, I like to go for two hours. Um but I also do not want to deplete the community's energy and attention, especially in a week where we have so many AMAs lined up and so many guests where, you know, I would much rather see the attention directed towards our guests um, than, than me and uh, the weekly meetings. I think for the time being, it's probably best if, if, um, if the event today maybe takes a backseat and um, we keep it a little bit shorter today. And then we have the AMA tomorrow. We have, um, let me just double check. So we have the AMA with Obscuro tomorrow at 8 p.m. CET. And then on Thursday, we have the, the next AMA with NFTFI. And um, then on Sunday, we have the next weekly meeting. So I, I would probably say, you know, I, I much appreciate everyone's interest. And uh, I, I would love to get going and, and to, to make it even longer. Um, but I think we should um, be... We should be very careful with you know how much we strain um, the community's attention and willingness to attend uh, the Twitter Spaces events, just for the sake of um, keeping the engagement high for our guests, which we are going to welcome tomorrow and on Thursday and on the week after. Um, we can go back to the longer format um, town hall meetings. Uh, when the schedule has cleared up a little bit, we are probably going to shift towards having one AMA with guests per week. And if we have to do a second one in a week because of the schedule of the, of our guests, then we will probably cut out the weekly meeting. Again, I'm, I'm open to feedback. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. Um, it, it's just based on the conversation which I had with the team members. They had some, some concerns that the AMAs are getting too much, especially combined with the weekly meetings. And I can see that we might compromise the attendance rate here if we do too many of them. Um, but as you know, you cannot always plan like everything perfectly. We ha We have a lot of active outreach and it's always by coincidence that like within two days, like everyone all of a sudden answers you, even the, the people who have not responded for a week. And now you have to schedule everything in a short, uh, uh, short span of time. And, you know, much rather than turning someone down, you, you still arrange everything and um, you put everything in motion to make the event a success. And the events in October, we have a little bit more time to plan them out. We're going to stretch them. We're going to do one AMA per week, preferably. And um, again, I, I thank everyone for their attention, for listening in, for supporting us. And I would be very appreciative if you guys could show your support tomorrow as well during the Obscuro MA, if you could show up on Thursday as well for the NFTFI AMA, and then for the uh, future AMAs in the next week. All of those events are made for you. You know, none of these events are just made out of my personal interest or the interest of the team members. All of the events are really made for VVV as a brand. 
every single event which you have, which is successful, which leaves the guests satisfied and impressed with the community, all of that is going to make it easier for us to bring more and more good projects and for us to secure better and better deals for everyone and to also secure the right ticket size for the community so that the first come first served is not sold out in 30 seconds or you know in, in two minutes but that it's um uh you know a sufficient amount of of uh allocation available for everyone to get into the round without too much pressure so whenever you can make time please make sure that you show up for the AMAs with our guests. If the attendance in our weekly meetings is lower, you know I'm I'm fine with that. You don't have to feel um, obligated to show up every single Sunday. It's fine if I if I do those events in a small circle. But for the public AMAs, I would be very appreciative if as many of you as possible could show up. And if you cannot show up, then at least you know leave a retweet, uh, leave a like on the recording, or leave a, a comment on the recording. Anything which shows the engagement which we have within our server, everything that reflects the passion which we have in our community, all of that is going to very positively impact what we build. And, you know, even from your perspective, if it's just a like, you know, if it's just clicking a button or, you know, just writing one sentence, it might not seem as much, but it really has a tremendous impact. And it's... You know, again, we do all of this without any fees. We we do the exact opposite of everything. Uh, we do the exact opposite of everyone else, and no one is obligated to interact with us on on the social accounts. But I think, you know, the support is more sufficient if it goes both ways. If you know, we do our part, we stay true to ourselves, we stay true to our intentions. We keep our word, we arrange everything for free. And if you guys do your part as well, you support us on our socials, you support us during our live events, and we work together to become the most successful VC brand and eventually also the most important, uh, the most impactful and preeminent fund in the blockchain space. Sean, there was a uh, question in the chat about the secret phrase for the raffle. Oh, oh, Jesus. Okay. Um, the secret phrase is machine. Oh, machines. I don't remember what I put into the form. It's machines. Yes. Okay, Christian, are there any more comments? I'm I'm having the same difficulty looking through this Twitter spaces. Uh, <laughs> it's like trying to scroll through. I'm like, no, that was an hour ago. No, that was two hours ago. Um, I didn't I didn't see any. And just by the way, uh, you know, one of our success stories of this week was that we got the attention by the founder of Eigenlayer, um, just by you know, it only took a very small. Uh, targeted and and also you know genuine and, and friendly tweet for us to to get him uh, to get his attention for an AMA with us, and he just confirmed um, via DM that we can probably have the AMA on October four, which is exciting because Eigenlayer is one of the projects where the research team is super super bullish on, 
and I'm, I'm always looking forward to meeting the founders and teams behind the projects where the sentiment of the research team is very positive. So I'm very glad that he has replied. And we're also working on the AMA with um, the orderly network. So there's a, a lot more super attractive AMAs coming. All right, Christian, then I would say we call it a day and I very okay. much appreciate everyone's attendance and attention. And I thank you, Christian, for being here again. Uh, I really like the format. And um, if you don't mind making time <laughs> every single Sunday. I, no, I, I enjoy it. I learn a lot. Okay, cool. I, I would be super excited to keep going. Um, it, it makes it very much more enjoyable to have the, you know, um, the conversation going back and forth. All right. Then again, guys, thank you once again. And I'm going to hopefully see all of you tomorrow for the Obscura MA and then on Thursday for the NFTFI MA. Thank you once again and talk soon. This recording has been prepared and made available by VVV. It is for informational purposes only and should not be considered a solicitation to sell, buy or subscribe to any financial instruments or products. VVV does not express any opinion as to the present or future price of any instrument mentioned in this recording. The information provided in this recording is believed to be valid and accurate on the date it is first published, but VVV, along with its directors, officers and employees, does not accept any liability for any loss arising from the use of this information as it may change in the future without notice. Any decision made by a party after listening to this recording shall be on the basis of its own research and not based on the information and opinions provided by VVV.